0: It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things, from the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat. These are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts Justin and Robbie. Today's episode is brought to you by Run Cody Wyoming Races. They have three awesome races coming up for the end of the year. The first one being the Mack Mountain Run, happening Saturday, August twenty-six. This is a fifteen k of epic proportions the steepest of climbs, and the gnarliest of descents. You may even see a bear or two. Bring your big girl panties for the 15K or come enjoy the 5K with the whole family. Run CodyWyoming.com for more information or search on Ultra Sign Up to register.
1: The second race coming up is a gravel grinder. It's called Fistful of Dirt Bike Race. It is going to be held on Sunday, September 3rd. Come ride the good, the bad, or the ugly. 20 miles, 60 miles, or 100 miles. And brand new for this year is the Drifter. It's a 40-mile race. This is a Wild West shindig, a gravel bike race, and a dang good party. Beer, food trucks, and a free concert in the park afterwards. To find more more info on this race, go to fistfulofdirt.com.
0: And the last race for the season in Wyoming, the Buffalo Bill Cody Half Marathon, 10K and 5K, happening Saturday, September 16th. This is your classic road run, a beautiful race, and a wild place. This year, we're excited to announce the first ever 5K distance for the whole event. It'd be great for the whole family. You can find all of these races on Run Cody, Wyoming, and we also have hosted the race director, Janie Curtis. Go back in our early episodes and hear all about them. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today, we have a, guess what, special guest. Uh, this is a good friend of mine virtually have yet to meet but he is a brooks run happy team member along with myself and we are roommates for the brooks hype fest coming up and so i'm so excited uh he's going to get to live with me for the weekend and so um i don't know how excited he is about this but yeah it's going to be cool so ultra runner videographer photographer uh extraordinaire Cody Stevens welcome to the podcast man
2: awesome thank you appreciate it
0: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that was a good enough introduction <laughs> that was good yeah yeah he gets to live with me for a couple of days Robbie so it's gonna be uh it's gonna be pretty exciting I think for me it is I don't know I'm excited I don't yeah. know how excited he is although
2: we're gonna have to do a whole lot of I believe road running so not as exciting <laughs> for us in that sense but
0: yeah yeah We're hoping think... there's a
2: few trails that are relatively close I
0: if think... not there's the beach and I guess we can pretend it's um i hate beach running i don't know why i've done it a couple times it's just like it's awful and i've seen that there's like ultra marathons that are on the beach and i'm like oh yeah my buddy went did one in like north carolina or something it was 50 miles on the beach and i'm like that just sounds terrible well it sounds humid and hot so that well that's true that's true that is true but unless you're like
1: right next to the water and it's the you know the firm sand not the dry loose sand i don't know what it was it just
0: it does sound terrible to run 50 miles on on the beach but yeah hopefully yeah. we can uh sneak away a little bit and you know go do uh go find some trails well, I you could
1: know know, a... just you know make all the the road runner trigger jokes
0: <laughs> i think there's like well on the team uh there's probably maybe five or six ultra runners out of yeah. what two hundred and fifty of us, I'm I'm saying yeah. that I don't know how many there are, but there's probably not many. So wow, yeah, at least it
2: hasn't seemed like it.
0: I mean, maybe they're just not as active as we are, but it seems yeah. there's way more road runners. There's not, uh, there's not a group of people that are like, hey, did you know that I trail an ultra run? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah, uh I'm looking forward to Hype Fest. It's gonna be a freaking blast. Never been to Santa Monica, so I'm looking forward to spending a couple of days out there and uh being roomies with you is gonna be a lot of fun, I think. So
2: yeah, be a blast. I'm yeah. excited.
0: Well, you just did a uh, a very well known, extremely difficult 50k. Yes, sir.
2: Speed goat 50k.
0: Speed goat 50k. And you have run this one in the past too, correct?
2: Yeah, I ran it back in 2019, but that was when Carl Meltzer uh, was the race organizer and owned the race. Now it's the last two years have been taken over by UTMB and it was different. Yeah, right? I, I am intrigued. Course,
0: yeah, what what was different about it?
2: Um, so back in 2019, um, it was hot, but it wasn't like <laughs>
0: it was UTMB not nearly changed nearly the as weather.
2: <laughs> and it was not nearly as hot as it was this time. So Um, my, according to my Garmin, and then according to when I looked up the weather after the fact, um, it actually got as hot as 95 degrees out on course, Mm. which in 95 degrees at 7,000 to, I don't know, 11,000 feet feels like 110. Yeah. So, I mean, I live in Arizona. I live in Scottsdale. So we had been experiencing 110 for the last 30 days now. And, uh, it felt like that running. out on a mountain
0: I'd be dead and uh That'd but I would also say
2: this year we had um snow which I've never ran in the snow like ever and so sections on course that are completely snow packed um including the big uh vertical climb up to Hidden Peak that very first section that was snow packed all the way up so we had I mean there was footholds, I had trekking poles um but never running in the snow before I was slipping and falling and I've never eaten it on a trail like really bad <laughs> it multiple times on this course this year.
0: We're gonna have to get you up to Alaska and get you uh, get you some negative forty running. Yeah, in the snow. Well, I
2: mean, and it, I I don't know. I mean, do you guys run in like the snow, snow? But then, do you use micro spikes,
0: or do you we just do run? Use, we do use spikes. Yeah, yeah, we have spikes on.
2: Okay, because I was gonna say because I thought it would have been. I mean, I even considered it, but then my coach was like. If you've never ran in them before, like, it's not a time to try to see if you can do it and then try to get them back off. And, like, so.
0: So I actually have shoes that have little spikes that are made into the shoe. Oh, okay. They're called ice bugs. And so I don't put anything on the shoes. Like, they just come oh so it's not like clipped on. no okay. it's not clipped on or anything and they don't change your gait or anything because yeah the micro spikes that you like flip onto your shoes they actually change your gait, and they're like you can all i mean i i know people do go long distances on them but i can't imagine uh <laughs> going long distance on them because they they start to hurt after a while but these are just tiny little there are spot i mean they're spikes but they're just tiny little spikes that are just all over the shoe and they're manufactured into the shoe. so oh, um, yeah yeah so they work really well.
1: Was the snow slushy?
0: Um, in parts, very much so.
2: So and... usually,
1: micro spikes don't work in slush. Yeah, only they're the best for ice, really. Um, when I lived in Boulder, uh, outside of Boulder, excuse me, the the trails become like we call it bulletproof ice because they get so used, they heat up and thaw, and it turns into like slick ice. that was about the only time we wore our marcus bikes if we were on any just hard packed snow they didn't work so
2: Hmm. well that's good to know yeah because i it was definitely one of those things where i'm like man i wish i would have experienced it i also wish i had a different shoe so
0: and yeah you were you were the um catamount yeah that i saw that decision you made and i was like Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what's interesting is I ran in the catamounts
2: um on a technical, like so in Scottsdale, there's a couple of really technical trails that are near me. I mean, and it's super rocky. Um, I mean, and I would just bomb down hills and I've never had any issues with really? them. Okay. Um, but it I've never ran in anything that was wet. And on the back half of Speed Goat, when you're going down through it, it's almost like you're running through a river that's going down through it. And I mean, and it's a good, I think five or six miles. And I had to literally hike a lot of it because, and that was usually a section I would bomb down, but because of the water and because of just how slick it was, those shoes did not do well. And my toes were just getting rocked. I mean, I had them hill locked. I did everything I could. Um, So that was a section that I was like, oh man, I wish I would have gone up the day before and tested. Yeah. Then I would have had, I mean, I had my uh, Caldera there too. And then I also had the new Cascadias, which I think the Cascadias probably would have been my best bet.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'd only put in, I think like 15 miles or so in them. And I was like, I don't know if I trust myself to where... Those shoes in this situation, I'll trust with what I know. And uh yeah, came back to bite me a little bit.
0: I took the last model Cascadias on my last hundred that they had 12 miles on them, and I did the first 60 of Rocky Raccoon, (laughs) and then I switched over to the calderas, took them out of the box, and did the last 40. (laughs) <laughs> of course nothing that's, technical on that course you know it's I was
2: like that's a brave way to do it i just i don't know too the ultra runners that that's the advice you would give
0: yeah i took them out of the box like don't try anything new on race day except if you have brand new shoes take them out of the box and put them on you know yeah. they say that don't try anything new on race day like i feel like every single one of my races i've tried something new I
1: and, agree with
0: you. you know it's it's a it's a good statement to to live by like but You know, when a fan when a plan falls apart, like what are you gonna do? So (laughs) exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I think the only shoes that I've ever done that with um was actually on my very first 50k ever. Um, I had a brand new pair of uh Lone Peak Fours and literally took them out of the box because my other ones had a hole in them. I had ran the day before and knocked a rock and cut a hole through the toe. And so I bought a brand new pair, took them up to the race and raced in a brand new pair and they were fantastic
0: nice nice. so
2: i don't run a minimum at all anymore just because the zero drop doesn't work for me but yeah live and learn
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: so how did the race how did the rest of the race go um good in the perspective that i finished i didn't meet any time goals anything that i had set out um and my training block was completely different from this one than previously um just the type of training i was doing i mean i was doing a lot of like treadmill runs and then miles right after so i do like uh two to three miles of like two to three thousand feet and then immediately jump off there and go for a flat three to four mile run um and so very different uh training style everything else um my biggest factor too is i've done a lot more strength training this block um just from a physical capacity and it helped a ton. So I PR'd almost every climb that I had. Um, but just the negative downside was some of like the things I couldn't control, like my shoes, like at that point, there was not much I could do. Um, but I PR'd every, um, major ascent I had. And then most of the descents I didn't, but it was also the course was changed a little bit. Um, it's, I actually haven't gone back through and looked at it. But I know, um, previously there was a long out and back section, um, where there used to be popsicles and other stuff. And that was taken out, but there was also another water aid station built in, but there was about a mile and a half of being without water. Um, and that was like kind of throughout the field. So, I mean, I remember passing guys that were puking on the side of the trail and other things, cause they were completely out of water. Oh no. And so it was, it was pretty rough, like. It, how, it looked how like you got there.
0: How far of a stretch was that in between the um, so
2: there was about uh eight miles where there wasn't an aid, and then you hit an aid, and then it was like another mile and a half, and that that aid was only water, and then another mile and a half was where the main one was. Oh, so okay. and that was right before uh oh geez, trying to remember the name. Um, but it's on the bottom back half it's right before you're making your descent back up to tunnel and all of that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was pretty rough. So, but at the same time, like, um, if it would have been 10 degrees cooler, I think it would have been so much easier on everyone, but 95 on that course and being in a ski resort, there are no trees yeah, whatsoever. So you are just exposed. I mean, and it's brutal exposure. Um, (laughs) but even like my climb up to the top of Baldy, which is, I mean, no joke. I think it's only three quarter of a mile, something like that. But it's almost 800 feet at 40% incline. Mm. So it's like you are you are trudging. Like, and I mean, I'm astonished by the guys at the front, the guys and gals at the front of the pack that are just hammering up that. Like to me, I was like, this is crazy. But I mean, overall course, everything else was beautiful as always. Um, I mean, I finished I almost identical to what I finished the year the two years previously so but different course a little bit heavier vert I think this time than last time um but
0: overall good nice nice was there distinct differences other than like changing up the course um a little bit and maybe some aid station stuff uh maybe like a around the leading up to the race the hype of the race different stuff what was there much differences between when Carl ran it as opposed to UTMB or um, I think there's a lot
2: more hype around it now the, the, the actual field is much larger. I mean, I think there was 430 runners, right. That actually came out on course, which I think the year I did it, I think there was 260 or something, right. So almost double the amount of people. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also think because UTMB took over and it's going to be part of their world series category now, um, we had people from, I mean, Mexico, uh, a ton from Canada, Um, a few came over from like China, um, right where they have, it's part of the world series there. Like, I think wherever the world series is touching, you're going to have those participants come over. Um, I think the other big factor is the first place male and female got an automatic entry into UTMB, the CCC. Wow. That's cool. Right. So that was like, people were big time pushing for that. I also think there's like a a points category or something when it comes to the elite level. I'm not, I mean, not do you get elite stones elite, from you it? Or? Yeah. So, uh, two stones Oh. Uh, cool. for the race. And then also, uh, they offered this previously too, but it's, you can actually do the whatever 70 K or whatever they're calling it or 77 K. So you can run the 28 K the previous day and then turn around and run the 50 K. And they had a handful of participants that do that. And you get a stone for the 28K, and then you get two stones for the 50K. Oh, cool. So pretty Well, That's, a, that's,
0: that's a pretty, I wouldn't say it's an easy way to get them, but for distance-wise, it's, you know, it's an easier way to get stones to get into UTMB. I mean, it, I know there's a bunch of different factors, like you got to have your index and you got to have the stones. But, you know, if you're just <laughs> out collecting stones and you have the index, that's, you know, distance-wise, you can go home and sleep in your own bed that night. To Oh, for <laughs> sure. To yeah, get very uh, very different
2: than the hundred milers
0: and the hundred k's that they offer most of these at. Yeah, and I and I'm glad that you know I I do want to do UTMB one day, and I and I'm glad that they're starting to make a presence in the U.S. Because when they first opened up the the deal that they were doing with the Stones, there was only like one or two races, and now they're slowly but surely starting to bring some more into the North America.
2: Oh, for sure, and they racing. just opened up uh, Big Bear too is going to be so the Kodiak, I think it's called the Kodiak, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, but it's going to be in big bear california and that's oh. going to be everything from like half marathon up to 100 miler and oh nice 50 i did not 50k see that. 50 miler 100k and then 100 miler are all going to have stones attached to it so yeah cool
0: robbie you uh you talked to carl um carl was at the black hills 100 and you talked to him quite a bit didn't you
1: yeah i i talked to him and we we talked about speed goat quite a bit and the whole transfer of so carl has one more year of race directing you uh speed go next year's is last year um we talked about uh what utmb has done and how he feels about it that kind of stuff um so the you know he can still controls the course and that's pretty much about it um utmb organizes everything sets everything up but that was about it um he says it's been quite the change since when he ran it uh when he ran it I, you could probably test to this too Cody when you probably did in 2019 it was more of a a family feel like a a very low key race uh i mean when you get to the finish there'd be coolers of beer and usually Carl would get a bunch of pizza and everyone would just hang out and party yep now that UTMB has taken over, they've kind of I've heard introduced all their European style of race directing. Even though he was telling me that the organizers actually live in the United States they're not from Europe, so with them being Ironman people, there's a little bit of a, a difference now since you know Ironman bought UTMB. Mm-hmm. So he was we were talking about that a little bit. Uh, he did tell me he's going to be happy to be done with it now after next year so he can move on with life. But How many years has yeah. he run it? Geez, I don't know when the first year was, to tell you the truth. What years did you do it? I did it in 2013 and 2016. Mm. And I just looked. When I did it, the first year was 275 people. And in 16 there was 213 people. Mm. And if I remember right, he didn't want to go over 300. I think he was capping it at 300. All yeah,
2: for sure. Very low-key. I mean, such a difference. I mean, and it was very much that, like, you finished. I mean, and I'll just say, like, my award from finishing the previous year was, like, a handcrafted, like, uh, ceramic metal. And then we also had a really cool handcrafted ceramic bowl that we got, right? And then this year was, like, the standard thicker type of metal that you would see at like a Spartan race or any other type of corporate event. Hmm. So it's just not as that yeah, personal. Yeah, feels again. not there
0: anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was still there at the finish, which is actually nice. I didn't get to meet him in 2019. So like when I finished, he had just gone somewhere. There was a medical emergency or something somebody had. And so he took off and then I finished and I was like, oh, well, you know, had a beer, all of that kind of like, I mean, it really was like beer and pizza, hangout. People are just doing their thing, but this year was very much like, um, the European finish, right? Like, so they had it all strung out. Um, you finished in a different area than we had ever finished before. Um, but you go through, they call out your name and all the stuff is you're finishing. Like, I mean, it's to some degree, I think it's an awesome approach to a race. Um, but it also loses that very much hometown environment. Um, A lot of the volunteers were actually the same because I do remember a bunch of them. Plus, I personally know a few because I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah. So I've gotten to know some of like the folks that volunteer pretty regularly out there. And some of them are the same, but they lost a whole lot of volunteers that I've personally got to know and realize and all of that kind of stuff. So a little sad, but just different.
1: They they used to, well, one of Carl's big things was is you'd get a bunch of... um... Donations from sponsors. And I don't know if he did this in 2019 or not, but he would put everyone's race number in a thing and they'd pull numbers out and they would put a prize in with it. So after you uh, ran the race, I mean, there was black diamond headlamps, poles, all kinds of black diamond stuff. They're giving away watches. I mean, you could get lucky and be in, you know, 200 place and get a thousand dollar watch. Um <laughs> yeah 100%. did he still do that they still do that yeah. now yeah. okay good well
2: not now but okay. they did it back in 2019
1: okay yeah i think you know once utmb took that over he was probably like i'm not gonna try to yeah. do that anymore
2: yeah well and i don't think utmb would allow it right like i mean you can't make one race special than another
1: oh yeah it, that's a good point i never even thought about that now it's their rules it's not yeah his his anymore
2: Yep. He I mean it's it's sad to say, but he's he's just the the course person now, right? Yeah. Like very yeah. little to do with like how it's actually ran. Um and and I even talked with him a little bit and it was like a little bit of like the trying to get volunteers was very different than this year than previous years, right? Because I think things happened last year that was unexpected and that kind of stuff. And so I think they're just I mean, it's like anything else, it's new ownership and that kind of stuff. It's gonna be a little different, but I think in the long run if we can build the sport like they've built it in europe all right and bringing as much hype and as much passion behind it i think people enjoy that um but it's also very different where when i finished there was probably 15 people at the finish line right yeah. versus when the first play person finished there was probably 400 right yeah and so it's like but in the european races it doesn't matter if you're first place or last place people are still gathered people are still there to support um so i think it'll be unique to see if that transition happens or if americans just stay selfish and want to see <laughs> themselves finish and then take off
0: <laughs> yeah i'm interested to do a um a european style race because I, I you know there is it. it's kind of cool because the hype they're like lining the streets and like that just seems cool to me and i know a lot of people that i talk to are like oh i don't want it like that i want the hometown version of that and it's just like you know and i say it all the time on this podcast and then i talk to people it's like the sport has to grow and if that's how it's going to grow you know like you have all these big companies that are buying out smaller races and it's not yeah. just utmb there's american companies buying out smaller races too yeah. um you know one particularly from arizona they're buying out races yeah they're putting their little spin on it how they want like they live stream every single race which i think is an awesome uh you know aspect of of the races they put on and and what they're doing is great i love it you know but everybody puts their spin on the races and you know utmb coming in is primarily a, a european style and they're putting their european styles on it and i like it it's like why can't we not have the hometown version of races the the Eravipa live streaming—you're you're gonna be your face is gonna be on TV. <laughs> people in the live chat are gonna be talking about you, or yep. the European style where you're—you know—eventually you're gonna have people lining the streets and they're calling your name, just like they do in Iron Man. I don't know. I th- I feel like the sport is big enough to accept all all of those platforms. But I agree. You're going to have the people that disagree. You're
1: always going well, to have that. Yeah, and you know at the end of the day it's your decision. You you are in charge of signing up for that race. So yeah, exactly. If you, if you don't want that fanfare, find a different race. So yep. Was this yeah. the
0: first year UTMB ran that race? No, it's the second year. Oh, second year. So yep. so maybe they are starting, still kind of ironing out ironing out some some of the hiccups, so. Yeah. And I think that'll be I mean that's usually typical for I mean at
2: least in my history the last like usually it takes like five years of anyone with a new race to be able to try yeah. to really figure it out. And then something else will happen. right? I got
0: my eye on one next year that is a UTMB um, and they're doing, this is their first year doing it. And so next year is, you know, when I'm eyeing it, so we'll see what, what happens. But um, I would talk to a couple of people down there and they said that they changed the course completely. And so who knows, you know, they're going to come in and do their
1: own thing. So And you know, with a corporation buying it too, when it's a sole one person running this race for years, now you have a corporation and you get people coming and going. It's a whole new thing every year for some people, you know, it's a new person doing this because now it's a corporation and people come and go in corporations. So you can't expect it to be exactly how it was when it was homegrown from the beginning.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, Cody, now that you've done it with Carl and we've done it with UTMB, would you go back and do it again?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like, my big thing with this race is I just want to figure it out. (laughs) Like, it was equally as hard. It equally, it sucked and beautiful and all the things all at the same time, right? Like, I will say it's still the hardest race I've ever done, right? It, I mean, 2019, maybe it was just because I was training differently. Maybe it was because, I don't know, whatever that was the first year I've ever wanted to quit a race. Right. And luckily my wife was there and spent the last 12 hours out on course and told me you better not quit. Cause I've been out here deep fried and crispy for you. So <laughs> she was like, you need to get up and finish. And I was at mile 26. So I was at hidden peak the second time. And that last little climb is like a death March. She's like, everyone looks like walking death. It's like the walking zombies walking up there. <laughs> and she goes, but then, I, I mean, I sat at that aid station for, I think, almost 40 minutes and wow. contemplated life. And then she was like, nope, you're up, gone. Like, get out of <laughs> here. I'll see you at the finish. Yeah, you got five and miles. So, just rock and roll. But yeah, but this year was very different. I mean, I was smiling. I was happy. Like, I never had a second thought about it, right? It was one of those things where when the time came and got to that point where I was already at my time limit of what I set. And I mean, and I set a hefty goal for myself. So I went from almost a 12 hour finish to, I wanted to finish in nine, nine and a half and finished in just under 12 hours again. And so, but once I hit that time frame, I was like, oh, I'm just here to finish. Have fun. Right. Just enjoy it because not very often you get to be somewhere so pretty, like it's one of those concepts and my wife always says it and she's big proponent of it. Like we get to do this. Yeah. Right. So many people out there that don't get to do what we do. Like we're privileged, like we're blessed to be able to be out there and do that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I felt the same way. I was just like, man, I get to be out here. It's so pretty, so beautiful. But yeah, um definitely excited to try some different things. Um, taking a little different path this next year, just in training in general. So what do you have on the dock? Um. So I think this year um, I'm going to be much more of like the quote unquote, like hybrid approach. Um, I want to definitely focus more on like my strength training. Um, I actually put in like a post today, right? Like it's one of those things where I don't think enough guys talk about, but it's like, I'm still a little self-conscious in my body and that kind of stuff. Right. Like I don't have a six pack. I'm not built to the nines and I want a little bit more physical shape, like just for self-esteem wise. But I also feel like that same strength is going to help me build and be able to move better. Um, I have, uh, asthma. So at elevation, it can affect me, um, dust, anything like that can affect a little bit. So I know, um, like ultra endurance running, like I'm very at a low pace, that kind of stuff. So I want to be able to push myself to be a faster runner where I'm doing, so I might gonna the next, six months or so, I'm going to focus mainly on speed and try to get my cardiovascular to like ramp up, right? Because I've always kind of sat at this low tone because of having asthma. So I want to be able to make it so that I can actually redline because I very rarely ever redline running. Yeah, And so I want to be able to feel that feeling and be able to push through it versus I almost feel like my body has like a limiter on it where all of a sudden I start to hit in that zone and my body just tells me to shut down like slow down you don't need to be there and so I think it'll be just good training a little different do a little bit more high intensity type of work cool cool
0: yeah I saw your post today and it it I think you're right a lot of people don't talk about and, and one thing that kind of struck me was running with your shirt off and I very rarely if ever run with my shirt off and you know I I course i have a stomach who doesn't you know we'll (laughs) make robbie robbie doesn't Let's let's cut him out of the conversation for a minute (laughs) but no i i 100 i i feel like i wouldn't say that i'm self-conscious to run with my shirt on i just don't yeah i don't know i just i don't i I would take it off but i i I don't i i feel like i would get because i always have a shirt on i feel like i'm so white that i would get burnt (laughs) to a crisp (laughs) if I have my shirt off so that's more that's more I just don't want to uh, fry my body (laughs) the reason why but no I I can totally understand where you're coming from in that though
2: yeah and it's one of those things too where I'm so I'm a ginger right so definitely (laughs) so you understand
0: uh, the frying part yeah (laughs) I'm blonde too so
2: plus I've had uh, a few bouts of uh basal cell skin cancer which okay. I actually have a surgery coming up in two days, I think. Oh, wow. And uh one of those things where it's like I always try to protect my skin, everything else, right? But I also feel at the same time like there are times where it's overcast and other things. And I'm like, man, like I look at these dudes out there running with shirtless and all this stuff or working out shirtless, and I'm just like, man, I wish I could feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> well, you know, but I mean, it's all, I don't know. I think it's it's all a matter of who you are and what your perspective on life is and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like that fact for me is like, okay, it's finally time to do the work that's necessary to get me where I want to be. Right. And so, but I also feel like a good portion of it's going to be like eating healthy and like what that means and what that looks like. (laughs) Right. Cause everyone has their own idea of what diet and like, I mean, you have such an extreme, world right now where it's like, you have vegans on this side, you have cannibalism people on this side, you have no refined sugars, only refined sugars. Like it's, it's a little intense. And in the running world, I think it's gotten to that same place where you have such a spectrum of runners and all the different diets and different things that they do. And it's like, just do whatever works for you.
0: Right? Like, yeah, it's hundred percent true. Do what works for you. And there's, there's, you know, there's definitely happy mediums between all of them. I mean, it's that, you know, a higher protein diet never is a bad thing. Adding some vegetables, um, you know, obviously (laughs) endurance athletes, like we need carbs to be able to function. So what does the carb load look like? You know, I I don't know. It's, I've actually been experimenting a lot with my diet over the last five or six months. So it's been kind of, Uh, interesting to see like what works for me and what doesn't and so um, you know I've able I've been able to nail down some pretty cool stuff and then also solve some issues that I've had so it's been it's been a uh, it's been a process and I've had to cut a lot of stuff out that I normally wouldn't Um, I used to be just let's go to the candy and cookie and donut world and see how I can fuel my run on Saturday and be shitting my pants on sunday but (laughs) or on your run or on my run yeah so (laughs) i've I've cleaned it up a little bit so i'm not doing that anymore but (laughs) that's awesome our state birds of alaska out here the mosquito would be carrying me away if i had to dip off into the woods
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing
0: well hey man uh you have some like really cool documentaries out there um that you've done you're like I feel like I'm. We're interviewing a professional. I mean, well, you are oh, a professional, geez. so that's, yeah. You know, that's I want to. I want but... to call
2: myself a professional in the documentary world, but I will tout that I am a
0: professional photographer, video. Oh, there so, we go. So, well, I uh, I've seen your documentaries, and they're better than anything that I would be able to come up with. And I'm going <laughs> to speak for Robbie at the same time. Uh, here. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to call you a professional. But hey, man, tell us a little bit about uh, Dig Marketing.
2: Yeah. So uh, Dig Marketing, it's. So I own a mark, like a local marketing company here in Scottsdale, Arizona. So we do, um, photography, videography, website design, social media. Um, my primary clients are kind of in two spectrums. So they're like the fitness world. So I have a, a number of gyms and personal trainers that I work with. Um, and then I also have a number of like real estate type clients. So whether it's loan officers, real estate agents, um, uh, just different, folks within those categories. Um, though That's really what the main focus has been. And then when I have free time, that's where I focus on the running. So I've done a mini doc on my wife, um, just kind of like uh, life happens, right? So she kind of was out of trail running for about two and a half years. And so she came back in, she did a, what's called a quell series here at air Vipa. Um, so you start out basically at like a 5k mark and then you work your way up to a half marathon. Um, and it's interesting in the running world where once you get to a caliber, like it's almost like you're trying to minimize, or we, we don't necessarily intentionally do it, but it's almost like. It's not really the same level and everyone on below us feels like, oh, I don't meet your standard. so. Mm. And oftentimes, that's kind of the way my wife feels is, well, I'm not really an ultra runner, right? She has now ran a 50k. And I'm like, you are an ultra runner, like you Mm -hmm. ran an ultra, like that makes you an ultra runner. And she's like, yeah, but I like and we joke around a little bit, because neither one of us have ran 100 miles yet. And it's almost like, yeah, but ultra running, you're not really there until you're a 100 miler, right? And it's like, well, it's not true, but, My wife
0: would slap you if you said right. That, yeah. Like,
2: but it's one <laughs> of those things where I think we just kind of get in this mindset of like, what is ultra running, right? And the same idea. So during her interview, we talked about like the biggest misconception of ultra running and her response to that was that you're running the entire time, right? And it's like, only the the elite of the elite are really running the entire time. And that's just dependent on the race right? But I think so many times, I mean, every time I've ever told anyone who's not familiar with the space that I do ultra running and that I did, I mean, even 32 miles are like, and you're running that entire time. No. And it's like, (laughs) what? Like, what do you mean? Like, and it's, well, it's not true. Like people, it's especially in a race like Speedgoat, right? Like far and few between times are you running, like running at a 40% incline for a mile is not theoretically (laughs) possible. Like, it, my mind is blown at some of the people who can do that, but for the majority of us, we can't, right? And so it was a documentary of kind of like her journey back into running. Um, we capped it off with like her half marathon. Um, but it was just it was unique, uh, showing her running, but also going through kind of the interview process. And then the other one I have out right now is with uh, Josh Locke, who is an Arizona runner. Um, and he ran Cocodona 250. So it was being able to go out on course with him, um, being kind of like aid station. Um, I wish I had a little bit more prep work going into that one, but it was a good experience, right? I mean, it was multiple days. I mean, he finished in 77 hours. So I was out there for basically 80 hours with him. Um, That's still really fast. Yeah. <laughs> different- yeah. So he finished, um, I believe he was the seventh place or eighth place male, right? So, I mean, he. I mean, he's a crusher. But it's also the stories I like to tell and I want to tell more of are more of like the everyday person. So Josh Locke, he's a dad, right? A lot of his miles, like building up to the race where he would take his daughters to softball and then he would just run the softball course for hours while they practice and then he would pick them up and they jump in the car and he'd head back home. Right. Well, wow. I mean, this guy was every single day and almost every evening was like five miles and five miles, right? That was his minimum. And then he'd put in his long runs and put in his training runs. Um, the dude right now is actually, uh, he's coming up with his own kind of grand slam or his own like triple 100 miler is he's planning on doing, uh, saddles 100, which is a brand new hundred mile to Prescott, um, Mogion 100 and then, oh, there's one more hundred mile. I think it might be Stagecoach or something, 100. And it's like, they're all within like a month of each other. Wow. And so, but it's, I mean, he's at another level, right? Like a 256 mile race with 40,000 feet of climbing. Like that's another level. So it was incredible to watch his journey and how he kind of did it and what it was like, like, what it was like, right? And so for me, my big goal is to tell more of those like everyday people, right? I get the reason why Courtney DeWalter is so famous, right? She's incredible athlete. Don't want to take anything away, but it, for the majority of people who look at it or watch her, that's an unattainable reality. Mm-hmm. So if I can tell the story of someone who is a full-time mom and has three kids and crushes a 50 miler on the weekend. That's impressive to me. Yeah. Much more, and I think it's much more relatable. And I think that's what can grow the sport more often than another one on Courtney or Eric Sensman or any of these pro athletes. It's like you are good. You get paid to run. I would
0: expect it, right? Like, <laughs> you like, know, and, versus, and that's we pay to do this, right? Like it's totally <laughs> yep. <very Yep>. different. <laughs> and and that's the reason we started this podcast because we, you know, Ravi and I sat down and and we're not a primary running podcast. We do have other people on yeah like one in 10 is not a runner <laughs> <laughs> still
1: but we right? you know Anything we you we got tired
0: on. of hearing all the interviews behind people that you know like oh my gosh so and so is getting interviewed again like yeah it's cool but we've heard their story a thousand times nothing's new nothing's changed yeah. like they won this race they won that race i want to hear the people that you know have suffered sitting at an aid station for 40 minutes with sure. five miles left to go, wanting to yeah. quit, like, you know, worked for six months to be able to climb the 11,000 foot 50 K, you know, it's like,
1: yeah.
0: has a, has a business where he has to work throughout the, the week and, you know, <laughs> squeezes in runs where they can and, you know, works a full-time job. Those are the stories that we want to hear. And like, that's the story I want to hear. I want to hear it yeah. every day, the everyday person. And so. That was yeah. our main drive behind creating this. Cause everyone has a story and it's like, what is it? Yep.
2: And that was my main thing is like, every runner has a story, right? Every one of us, like, I don't care. And I mean, and I think oftentimes we find within the ultra running because we are crazy, right? Like, let's just put that out there. We are nuts <laughs> in what we do, <laughs> right? But you also find the unique stories. And I think we find these more often than not too, is like people who battled addiction, overcame addiction and then found running, right? Running became their new addiction, right? But I also feel like there's so many other stories out there, right? Like my story of finding running was because I got jealous because my wife was doing Spartan races, <laughs> right? Like I've always been somewhat decently fit, right? Like I have, like I never really struck, like I was okay, right? Like I'm just a normal dude, have a fast metabolism, had never really struggled. But it was one of those things where my wife went to a gym And, uh, they were all doing Spartan races back in 2018. And I was too cool or however you want to say it, right? Like, I just wasn't interested in doing it. And then she went through and did the beast and then did the super and sprint. Excuse me, ended up doing a trifecta, right. And all the obstacle courses and all the stuff. And I was like, man, like that's super awesome. Even my daughter did like the kids race before I did any races. And I was like, man, that's pretty rad. And I was like, I'd want to do that. And she's like, oh, of course you would. Right. <laughs> like, of <laughs> course you want to do this now? And then uh, so we both signed up for season passes for Spartan in 2019 because we lived in Central Valley, California at the time. And uh we ended up doing a quadfecta, which is we did 12 races wow. in 2019. That's also where I ran my first two 50Ks. And like, I mean, I just went all in. Like it was like, I didn't dip my toe in. I mean, I jumped in head first. (laughs) And But it was one of those things where I'm a big research person. So once I did my first couple of Spartans, and I was like, how do you get better at these? Mm -hmm. And so I reached out, which is kind of unique, being able to reach out to like the elite of the elite in that world. And far and few between people actually ever responded back to me on social media. But I had a few of the elite guys that were like, the best way to get better is learn how to trail run faster because the time in between obstacles is where you're going to really make up your time. And it was like, okay, cool. So looked up trail running. And then we had friends of ours that got into trail running. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Signed up for my first 50 K like very, very undertrained, and did that. And I was like, oh man, like, but once I did, I was like, what else can I do? <laughs> how much further can I push myself? And then did an extremely hard 50k, um which was roughly 80, I think it was like 8,400 feet. It was called uh Race the Peak. Um, so it was at uh China Peak Mountain Resort. So it's another ski resort that I did one. Um and I was the 14th person who finished, and I was the DFL. Nice. And so I have this <laughs> super rad DFL medal and oh, nice. But again, it was, I mean, over half the field, like DNF'd, right? And like the race director basically told me he had zero expectation of me finishing. And then uh once I came through the first loop, he was like, I was just super impressed to see you jump and like I had 15 minutes before cutoff.
0: Oh wow. And
2: I came through, went right back out, and he was like, I was super impressed. He goes, and then it was like, I was your biggest cheerleader. I was so excited to see if you could actually finish. And then it was like me and four people at the finish. Right. And he was one of them and he was just like, Oh my gosh, congratulations. Like <laughs> I would have never guessed. Like I was, I was hallucinating out on course. Right. Like my nutrition was not, I had no reason to be out on that course, but finished. Right. I have a lot of grit and so, but it was super neat. Like, and ever since then it was like, man, like if I can do this, like number one, other people can do it. Right. Cause I wasn't I wasn't built for this and I wasn't training super ton for it or anything else like that. And then it was like, I want to be able to tell the story of like, there was one guy in front of me and he was like, I thought I was the only one left. Like, so great to see you. And like, we (laughs) chat for a few minutes. Right. And it was like, who is this guy? Like, what, like, what does he do for a living? Right. Like there's, I mean, we get so much sucked into like, what races have you done everything else, but it's like, what do you do for a living? Right. Like, who are you? Like, What's your life story? Right. Yeah. That is a cool part of
0: that's a cool part of trail running is you get to meet some really cool people out there.
2: Yeah. And I think it's so different than like the road world. Right. Like I've ran a number of road races too, like kind of while I was finding running and I never, I never met anyone. Right. Like I've ran past people and I was like, hey, congratulations, keep going, like giving encouragement. But only in the ultra world have I ever, like every race that I've gone to. I've met someone and got to know them. And literally now we follow each other on social. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, you really get to know someone out there versus in a marathon, right? Especially the pros, like they're finishing in a couple hours, right? So it's like, you would never get to know anybody, right? Like, versus even in your long or your shortest hundred mile distance, like a lot of these guys finishing the pros finishing in 14 hours, that's still 14 hours on course with other people. Yeah. Right. So you would, I mean, you would have to get to know somebody in 14 hours <laughs> versus in two hours, you don't even get a chance to do anything. Yeah. And so I like that. was like one of my favorite parts about ultra running is like, every time I've had one of these big races, it's like, I get to know someone like I've spent multiple hours with them trudging. And it's like, cool. I know somebody's history now. Like this is neat. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: And you That's came awesome.
2: all the way from Chicago to run this race. Like <laughs> a lady that came from Chicago and she was like, I ran 90% of my training runs in vert on a treadmill to get ready for this race.
0: Yeah. I can I was, imagine Chicago would be tough to go run speed goats.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and she lives like downtown Chicago area. Like, it's not like she's able to get out and do a lot of like trail running. I mean, they would have to drive to trails, which every state basically has trails somewhere, but it's like majority of her training was done on a treadmill advert, mm, like that's crazy. incline training. And I was like, yeah, I did a bit of that and it sucked, but I can't imagine <laughs> 90% of my training being oh. done that way.
0: <laughs> I think for my last hundred, I would say probably 75% of mine was done on a treadmill. Oh, see, you. and that's like a different level of
2: grit, right? Like if you told me how to do that, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd be like, I'm going to wait until it's spring so that I can run outside.
0: Because Well, we have to wait them. until... Our spring is in July, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like reverse. Yeah, so it would take uh, a while. It would take a while. But no, I, I mean I did run outside, but yeah, you know, it's it's super, super cold. So oh, I yeah. can't even imagine. Inside. Well, you already told us about your shoes. Uh what other kind of gear are you using?
2: Um, so I use the Solomon Pack. Um, I've I used uh Nathan Forever. Um, but as they kind of transitioned packs and stuff and made changes, it
0: just wasn't as comfortable. So I switched over to Solomon. I love yeah. it. I had the same issue. Like they made changes and I didn't like them and yeah. I got, like, I moved to Solomon of, like, and I the, never looked back.
2: Yeah. Once they got rid of the Carr edition, yep. um, that was my last pack that I had with them and it was fantastic. And then, I mean, I have three of them still, right. Cause I bought a bunch of them just to make sure I could have them, um, and then I switched over to Solomon. Love it. Um, I would actually say the main reason why I purchased the Solomon pack is last year. I had the opportunity to, uh, film for Solomon oh, cool. um, out at Western States. So I filmed Western States for the Solomon athletes and, uh, I didn't have anything that was Solomon. So I literally went out and bought a pack just to make sure that I could, <laughs> somewhat look the role. um, yeah, so I had to like, literally for this race, because it was I mean, for me, it's such a big opportunity. I was like, giddy, man. It was like, was running with superstars, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just I mean, and Lucy Bartholomew was like my, like, main person I was so excited to meet. And she's such an incredible runner and human being period. And so I was like, Oh, man, I got to go out and buy like a Solomon pack. Like I got to able that because I needed to be able to pack my camera gear and other yeah. stuff with me. But yeah, so I literally went out and bought that for that race and then uh like went to rei when i landed in tahoe right when i got to tahoe i was like oh man and then uh so i've been sticking with it love it um trekking poles are lakey um love those like they're the carbon fiber they're the ones with the glove yeah Uh, i tried black diamond a few times where it's like you just have the
0: little straps yeah
2: um, but the gloves are golden, man. Like being I know. Pop
0: I keep, on and off, I keep saying I'm going to buy some and I just, have. I don't know why I haven't, I just need to bite the bullet and get them. <laughs> yeah. And
2: it's, they're not cheap. I mean, <laughs> I know. I'll tell you that. Right. But they're like, an investment, but it's, and it's one of those things too, where it's like the misnomer of like running is cheap. Running is not
0: cheap. Running no. is one of the most
2: expensive things that like, oh. it's insane.
0: Like I guarantee you, I go out for a five mile run and I have over a thousand dollars worth of stuff on. Yeah. Over. It's it's (laughs) unbelievable.
2: Um, But yeah, so I have those. uh, Clothing-wise, it kind of varies, right? I mean, I have Brooks clothing because running with Brooks. um, But I also, I mean, I ran with uh, Run Rabbit for a long time too, right? So I have like their shorts are probably one of my favorite pair of shorts, like the uh, Shredders, especially because they have the, the pole holding so I can hold my trekking poles in them. Um but yeah I mean I just think and in gingy socks. So I'm a toe sock guy. Love toe socks. I've tried every other type of sock out there and for whatever reason and I'm still a guy that like I tape my feet, right? So I use like the lucra tape, tape my feet, use squirt nut butter and then put them into an gingy Nice. And it's worked out pretty well for me. And I am one of those like weirdos that i don't care if it's a three to five mile run i'm doing the same thing i don't tape them at that point but i will still put squirrel nut butter on and i still use my engine for like a yeah. three to five
0: run have you ever and, heard of exo toes
2: yes and i have a yeah. couple of pairs of exo toes as well um and i think both are good i think it just i don't know i've i think engine are so much more convenient to buy because i can go down to the run store and buy them if i have uh. an issue um x the exo toes i have to place an order yeah right um but yeah i have a couple of their long pairs and then a couple of their like uh crew socks so and i like them i have no issues with them
0: I i used to be a toe sock guy i i switched when i got up here because i was wearing toe socks and my toes like got dangerously cold um no heat, you know, being able to, yeah. to heat off of each other. So I switched to Merino wool. Okay. Um, and I've actually really grown to like the Merino wool. And so I, I ran it in a couple of races this year and I was I'm definitely a fan. So I think I'll stick with that. But yeah, I definitely was a toe sock guy, but I, I, I think I moved away from that. My crew is going to be super happy because having to change up my socks at mile <laughs> 80 with toe socks is, uh, they love it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Well, when I was like, with this last race, I became a fan of
2: like the, it's almost like two pairs of socks, right? So it's the, and Jinji has like a liner and then they have like a normal sock that goes over the top of them. Yeah. Right. So I was wearing those, which again, I can't imagine if I was trying to run anything where I needed to switch out socks, that would be crazy hard because you're (laughs) pulling off two socks and then you got to pull off the actual toe socks and be able to get them back on. Yeah. And I can't imagine somebody's toes at 80 miles trying to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's... your crew really has to love you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> pick pick oh, your crew man.
0: wisely. Pick them wisely. Yeah.
2: No, that's um, but yeah, and then hat wise. So I actually do run like, so more fitter is a company that I've worked with, like my actual company worked with taking photos and stuff for. Um they have a built-in sweatband that goes all the way around. Um, it's great. I mean, I use it a lot for like, uh, workouts and all that kind of stuff, but I use it for racing. I mean, I might as well.
0: Do they sell hats that fit small heads?
2: Um, I have, I would say I have a smaller head. Um, and it seems to fit me. They do have, uh, I wear, I wear
0: children's hats. That's how small my head is.
2: I don't know. I'll bring one with me. Okay. I'll bring the the smaller one. So they have two styles or they have, I think, three styles of hats. The one that has like a mesh, um, it's not the fabric, but it's more of the mesh style. Yeah. It seems to be smaller, not okay. only from like a depth perception, but like to me, tighter on my head. Okay. Um, So I have to open up the, the bracket more.
0: Every single one of on the Brooks head. hats that they've sent us are like massive. <laughs> None of them fit. <laughs> And I don't have hair either. So that adds to it, you know? Yeah. I have an extremely small head and I'm bald. So, (laughs) yeah. Double whammy. I'm a lost (laughs) cause.
2: We'll just have to get you like an extra thick band or something that kind of just compresses.
0: You know, I have done that before. But then the part is, is like, I have all this loose, like, hat up top, too. And so, yeah. Yeah it's, you know, it's not that I can't get it tight on my head. It's just the rest of the hat is just like sticking up and it's, it's
2: like sticking above your head.
0: Yeah. It looks awful. So yeah. I okay. found a couple hats that work, but, um, if you listen to this and you are a hat person and you have a small hat, I guarantee you, it doesn't fit me,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but send it his way and he'll try it. <laughs> yeah. I'll try it.
0: I'll, I'll throw it on and I'll let you know that it doesn't work, but I always see these ads of like, if you got a hat and it doesn't fit because your head's too big. And I'm just like, what about us people that have like extremely small heads? heads?" So yeah, like uh, Patagonia hats. I think they're the coolest hats ever. I have to shop them in the children's section. Wow. So they have like their low truckers and all those. Nope, Uh too big. So I go buy the children's hats. Yeah. but
2: Well, I mean, at least you still have an option.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think. Thankfully, there's children out there that wear hats. So <laughs> the problem is, is they Patagonia makes those hats, but no running company makes a children's hat. So yeah, I, you know, uh, get sprints. Those are hats. They work really well for me. Okay. Um, and they have cool patterns because, you know, I'm all about the color. So, oh
2: yeah, but. I know it was funny when we were talking originally about colors and different things. I'm like, I want more minimalists. Like, I don't want a bunch of colors. I don't want a bunch of crazy, like just give me plenty. And- Justin's like, no, I'm a complete opposite. The brighter the color, <laughs> everything that can stand out. It's like, oh, okay. Robbie's- but I am a big fan of like, my, I want my shoes. I like, I'm a big like sock person too. So like give me multicolored socks Yep. and give me like bright colored running shoes. Like my normal shoes are like, I wear a black and a white shoe, right? Like don't give me a bunch of colors on my normal walking shoe. So like the the Brooks Walker, right? Yeah. I have the black And I have the white of those because I love them both and I use them all the time. But like my running shoes, I don't mind having pops of color like that's fun.
0: No, every everything that I put on is going to have pops of color. Like you're (laughs) going to be blinded when you see my suitcase when I open it up and you're like, oh, my (laughs) gosh, what are those? (laughs) Yeah.
2: And then like my favorite, uh, like normal Brooks shoe to wear. I actually have the I think it's the rival or one of them. But it has like, the the tongue is made to look like grass. So it's really? almost like a, uh, it's a textured material. Huh. I, I wear them all the time now. It's just like, oh man, like it almost looks like I have grass growing off my the tongue of my shoe.
0: <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. I'll have to show them to you. I'm definitely yeah. going
2: to bring them with me. They're, they're my go-to, especially sure. anything Brooks related. <laughs>
0: So we always ask um, our guest uh, to provide a name of someone who you know has a really good story that's in your in your network that can potentially help us and you know help us grow and help share their story. So who yeah. you got?
2: Um probably have two people. Um so I think my coach, Kylie Aldez, has a fantastic story. Um she had an interesting growing up, right. Um, found trail and ultra running. Um, but her story about like why she became a coach and like why she does what she does. And like just her passion behind everything, um, is probably one of the main reasons why I stick with her as a coach too. Um, incredible human being. Um, but then also, um, interesting enough, I would actually look at like Chris Polito. He actually runs a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and great guy. Uh, he is what I would call the pacer extraordinaire. Oh, so the guy has paced more people, I think, than he's ever ran races. Wow. And it is absolutely incredible. He's like, I mean, he's paced people multiple times for 100 Ks, 100 milers. Um, so he has a lot of experience of pacing. So I think it'd be a good, I mean, almost addition to your story of like, you want some pacing advice, like ask that guy.
0: Yeah, that's like, cool.
2: I mean, and he's such a nice guy, obviously does uh, his own podcast, everything else. So it's just one of those really unique things that he can talk a lot about a lot of different things. But yeah, I've what, talked
0: to Chris before. He's a he's a cool dude.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I definitely I subscribe definitely,
0: to we run the desert as well. So
2: yeah. And I mean, and he's just like from the pacing perspective, like that's we always Joke about it. it's like, do you ever run races or do you just pace everybody? <laughs>
0: right? Like, I actually like it, I think it's fun. I've,
2: See, and I've I've never paced anybody except uh Josh Locke, the little bit I did when I was out there filming and crewing and
0: all yeah. of that kind of stuff. Um, I've paced more hundred milers than I've ran, yeah, which is not many, but I've paced more, so
1: it, Me it, too. It, it's, it's a lot of fun,
2: <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, it's a good way. I haven't done it. So for me, but I'm just like, I sit there and think about it. I'm like, it's such a good way to get like time on course of something you may want to do. Mm-hmm. But then it's also like, you're not having to, like, sometimes it's 30 miles. Like, that's a race in its own. Yeah. Right. I mean, at that point, usually most people are not running, but it's more of a leisure hike, but still.
0: Yeah. I did 36 miles at Bighorn and then the next weekend did 22 miles. Pacing at Black Hills, so yeah, I've you know those those are races. (laughs) Yeah, all on the road, sixty k, (laughs) right? That's impressive, though.
2: Yeah, I think I mean that's I mean I think that's a really fun thing to talk about, right? Like it's just something different.
0: Well, you know, it's like I I was repaying debts, is essentially, is what I like to call it. But I'm you know I'm I'm not really repaying debts. I'm helping my friends achieve their goals. But uh, you know, they came out and helped me finish my 100 miler and get my buckle so it it, you know in the sense of repaying debts it's only fair that i go out and i help them achieve their goals and so um yeah so that's you know repaying debts but i still have one more debt to pay so yeah do you guys volunteer at races yeah i do
1: yeah i've probably volunteered more races than i've ran
2: see and it's interesting i don't i've never Like I've done some volunteer stuff, but it's always been more about work too. So like Mm -hmm. I volunteered, but also helped with work. Um, But as far as like just going out and volunteering at a race, I have yet to do. I almost feel like a jerk. I almost feel like I'm selfish. But I've always done. I'm always interested to hear what people,
0: if they do or do not. Well, like an easy thing to do is like if you're running a race, like sign up to volunteer for setup the night before you know so you're going out you're setting up you're volunteering you're helping out you know and they may be low on that type stuff or yeah. tear down after the race if you're you know if your wife is running a race do the tear down afterwards or something you know something pretty easy you know especially you're in Arizona man you have tons of access for, for volunteering <laughs> shame
1: yeah. shame your everybody, is
0: always asking right like, yeah and
1: you That's get a, race
0: a lot of times you get race credits or correct you know, so, you know, they try to give back. I, I know that's a huge thing. Um, Robbie can speak a little bit to it, but we had a race director on that was talking about how, you know, struggling to get um, volunteers to even help, you know, if they don't have volunteers, a lot of times they can't run these races and you have to cancel them. So,
1: yeah, yeah act- you know. actually, he has had to uh stop some of his races and this year he's had to uh, stop a couple more races because he can't get volunteers. So wow. and these races have had you know almost 10 years in, of running every year and one this year, one of his first ones he had to finally just say I can't get volunteers, so this is last year. Wow.
2: Jeez, that's so tough. I also wonder like with corporate companies coming in and, Cause they pay a lot of it, like, right. They have a staff that they're able to do these races with and everything else. They also rebuy on volunteers, but I almost wonder, is that more of a helping or a hindrance having them come in?
1: Right. True. Because, you know, like you mentioned speed goat and when I was talking with Carl, he said after last year, he had that huge fallout with most of his volunteers just because of over who took over the race. Another problem is saturation of races throughout the United States. Now, uh, you know, back in the day when I started running in Colorado, there'd be maybe one re- race a weekend. Now in Colorado, you can find, you know, three to four ultra races going on and there's just not enough people to draw from to give on enough volunteers for those races, uh, just cause it's so saturated.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Cause yeah, I've, I've even looked at it myself from like, I know Air Viper runs so many races here in Arizona, right? But it's also like, I almost feel compelled to look at like other races and other opportunities because they are so saturated, right? It's like the small guys that ran races or want to run races almost can't because of that, right? And you, it's it's almost competing against them, right? And you're never going to win against the big guys. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Cause I just, I've always looked at it as like, I want to help the smallest guy out there. I mean, that's how I deal in my business too, is like, I help small businesses, right? Like corporations are great, but I'm going to charge them more than big businesses or mm-hmm. than small businesses. As you said. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, but it's interesting to look at like the racing world and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, and I know like when I'm looking at like UTMB, um which is kind of odd comparing UTMB versus like Ervipa but the UTMB races almost seem more affordable than even what Viper racing is right i mean there an are some big ones cuz like Havalina 100 i think it's starts out at 400 and then goes up to like 480 or 490 right for a 100 miler and i just look at that and i'm like i can't justify myself spending that much money for a 100 miler And then some of the other ones are 250, right? $300. I'm like, man, that's almost half the cost sometimes.
0: Yeah. Rocky was two thirty or something like that. But you got to think, you got to think at the same time, like I'm not downplaying, you know, Tejas trails or, um, that's who runs Rocky in it, but all you got was a t-shirt. You didn't get any, I mean, you got, uh, of course you got your buckle at the finish line, but you got a t-shirt. Now the aid stations were phenomenal. They were great. I'm not downplaying anything like that, but Air Viper puts on an experience. Oh, yeah. You're going to get a lot more with Air Viper as you would Tejas Trails race. You got a t shirt, that's it. And then uh, your buckle, where I've done an Air Viper race and you get like all kinds of stuff, you know, (laughs) and they put on an experience. Yeah. So, and I, you know, same thing with UTMB. Like, I'm sure their races are going to be a little bit more expensive too because you're, you're getting an experience especially if you actually go to utmb oh geez yeah but
2: yeah that's what i was just wondering is like does it take away like is your feeling like does it take away or does it like because to me it's like it's almost a limiting factor to some degree right like how many people can really afford like a 450 and fifty dollar race or a 500 race yeah right i mean to me, I mean, I know there's a lot of opportunities for volunteering and getting race credits and all the stuff, but it's also like, man, like, if I was new to the sport, right, and I was like, oh, I want to try to do this, and then you start hearing prices like that, it's almost like a turnoff.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and then, and and on top of that, let's just say you sign up for Javelina, it's 500 bucks to sign up, let's just call it 500 to be even, um, and you're not from the area, you have to fly down there. If you're going to have a crew, you... You know, you pay for that. I I like I'm not going to pay for my crew to fly, but I will house my crew, you know, yeah. so you're paying for hotels. You know, you're paying for all your food that you're going to eat down there. Um, more than likely, you're going to get a car a rental car. I mean, now you're looking at a couple thousand dollars just to go run a race. Yeah. And so time off from work, you know, it's just like it, it does. It does add up and gets expensive. I I put money away every time I get paid. So that's my race fund. but but, you know i I have that opportunity but you know other people don't and i completely i completely agree
2: yeah i just wonder like as things transition and go that way like if it's going to become more obsolete of having the smaller race opportunities right Mm -hmm. where these smaller companies that can afford to do it for less right because they have less overhead they have less stuff right you may not get as much but you're also because they have less, right? Versus yeah. an AeroVipa has an entire staff that they have to pay. So the races automatically have to be more because of what's going on. Yeah. Right. And so it's almost like, but if people push them out or like they become so big that nobody else can compete with them, right? It's almost like, what do those races turn into? Right. Like, are yeah. you able to keep it low enough that someone who wants to run their first? 10k or something isn't paying 90 to run a 10k
0: that's ridiculous right Like, <laughs> i mean and i don't think it is that much but it's yeah like, but i mean it could be very oh, yeah i'm
1: sure i'm sure yeah
0: and then so, you know of course like the food food is expensive now so of course oh, you yeah. have to charge more because yeah you know food costs more now so it's, it's just a it's a never-ending battle uh, we could go on for hours talking about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I you know one thing i think um when you know the the prices, if it's not a destination race, um, you know, like UTMB, um, we can take her. Is that because her it's going to be an expensive race if you have to go? You know, if if you get into that, what I've just seen here, you're hinting and, at
0: something, Robbie.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but I guess I. what I've seen <laughs> seen here in the the Black Hills with the Black Black Hills 100, if you look at the registration list it's mostly runners from south dakota minnesota more of a local type of fill cuz it's not it could be a destination race but it's not so i think we we'll, we'll see if it does get super super expensive that people will stick closer to home and run the same race every year yeah i agree yeah cuz i i'm a big person like
2: i don't necessarily want to run the same race every single year Right. I me, mean, I'm uh, fortunate enough to run in an area where we have so many different styles of races and different areas to do it at. But at the same time, it's like, I want to go to hard races, right? Like I personally, for a hundred miler, I have no interest myself running Havelina hundred, right? I might crew it. Um, I filmed a guy out there, um, that kind of thing. But for me, it's, it's my own backyard. Right. And it's five loops of basically the same desert I run in all the time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm like, I want something hard. I want something different, right? So me traveling to like South Dakota or traveling to Idaho, right? Like, or even up to um, like Oregon or Washington state and running in those woods and different things like that to me is more interesting. Um, But I also wonder is the more it gets commercialized with these big companies taking over, like, again, like you're saying, like, am I going to be able to afford to go out there and like be able to actually run that race and like make sense of it and stuff versus just the ones that are local. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I'll definitely take into consideration like anybody's races outside. Right. And I think there's still a lot that we don't hear and know about, right. Until someone else we know runs it. Right. I mean, I would never know of anything in the Black Hills. Right. <laughs> I mean, same idea with like my wife is originally from Wyoming. And so it's like we were going to go out there and visit family. And it was like, I'm over there looking up on Ultra Run sign up. It's like, is there any races in like Wyoming, like Casper, Wyoming? Right. Like it's not like Yellowstone or somewhere that's very famous. It's like going to Casper, Wyoming. Is there any, is there a race out there? Like there's a phenomenal racing? one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In like, in like three weeks. Yeah. yeah. we ran it last year. It was good.
2: Yeah. So it's like, but you just don't know until like, I mean, you have to really like search and search for it. Right. Yeah. So I think, and I guess that'll be part of like me as someone who wants to help grow the sport too, is to get the name of those races out there more. Right. And I think the big names always get, cause they have the money to be able to spread the message and spread what they're doing and all that stuff. But I'm like, man, like there's a lot of cool races out there. I'd like, let's go out there and travel and film it and (laughs) do that kind of stuff. Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that'd be, so if you know of any, I mean, I'd definitely be interested in chatting with any race directors and stuff. I mean, it's got to make sense, but as long as I don't lose my butt out on it, then I don't (laughs) mind going out and doing some marketing and filming and giving some more illustration to it. Cause I think that's what happens a lot of time is you have your, photographers that go out and shoot the races but it's like they kind of all start to look the same The photos look the same everything out and it's like can't tell the same
0: stories you can with video so yeah. it's like yeah. no it's very true well speaking of video man uh where can people find you
2: um on uh instagram is probably the easiest way um cody Stevens. Ginger. That's <laughs> me all red ginger um uh, and then also uh dig on Instagram um but majority of my stuff just comes through my personal page uh that's where most people follow me see all the stuff um recently started posting more of my business content on there as well because I just have a larger following so it's where most people reach out and have questions and all that kind of stuff and then uh yeah I'm excited to see it and just a
0: couple of weeks, man. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a blast.
2: And then uh, I'll definitely have my camera with me, so we'll be able to get some photos and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. I'm bringing both the photo camera and the video camera. So nice,
0: nice. Yeah, yeah. be getting some content from my roomie. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah that's, that's the biggest thing. Is like, and that's what I try to tell everybody. Is it's like, I'm I'm good at what I'm do like at what I do, right? But it's also like people are so intimidated. People are always like, well, I don't know if I can just ask you. Right. And it's just like, dude, if we're together, right. Like I oftentimes have runners that are like, man, and they'll hint it, right. They'll be like, I really wish I had some good photos of me. Then ask. (laughs) (laughs) It's not difficult for me to run with a camera. Like I've done it tons of times. Like let's just go shoot some stuff.
0: That's cool. And
2: so, yeah, recently I did like a, a media day, right. Is what I called it and invited 10 runners out. And I just said, Hey, like, if you want content of yourself or like whatever brand, whatever else, like I'll shoot photos and video of you. We had two people who were hikers. And then I had, uh, four people who could run and shot a bunch of photos and videos of them and all that stuff. And I was just like, here you go. Right. Cause I needed to run that day and I want practice and be able to shoot more people and just get more content. And so here you go. And it's like, Oh man, like, yeah. So I always tell people just reach out. Like, yeah, if you're coming out to Arizona to do a race, right. And you need footage of yourself or you want something special for you. Right. Like, especially guys that are coming out for like Coca-Cola 250 or something like that. And it's like, you're not going to get the coverage you think you're going to get because there's just too many people in that race. Yeah. So if you want something special, yeah. just reach out and ask, right. Like, I mean, if I'm not busy, it's not difficult to say. Yeah.
0: Well, Cody and I have something, something in the works that we've, been discussing over the last couple of weeks so maybe you'll see us uh working together. <laughs> we'll keep it quiet for now but <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. Hey man, well I appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Uh it was a great conversation. I learned a lot about Spigo, never ran it before. And, oh, you will. And the video side of things, man. Awesome. Awesome conversation. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you. Absolutely.
2: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And then yeah, if you guys ever come out to Arizona, like feel free to hit me up. We'll definitely get in a run or t- anything else you want to do
1: so be. yeah sounds good